Hi friends, you are listening to the Eucharist Church Podcast, and we have just entered our ordinary time. This is a season that we like to celebrate in the summer where we just make things a little bit simpler. So for the next two months, July and August, we are going to be gathering on Wednesday nights as we have been on Zoom. We have an amazing lineup of preachers, both from within our community and some guests from around Hamilton who are going to be exploring the fruit of the Spirit with us as we embark on what we have been calling Holy Spirit Summer. And so uh, we encourage you to join us on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. There's a link on our website. And also on Sunday afternoons, we're going to be having uh, not so much a gathering, but an open space for contemplative prayer. Our building in downtown Hamilton will be open from 2 o'clock till 6 o'clock every Sunday in July and August so that you can come and meditate. Uh, if you've never prayed in that contemplative way before, there'll be resources to guide you into that. At 2 o'clock every Sunday, there'll be a time of Teze singing, uh, which is this gorgeous, repetitive, simple kind of singing. And there'll also be some meditations at 4 and 5 p.m. that we'll be playing over the system in there. And we will have some updates on what September and the fall will look like later on in the month of August. But for now, enjoy the sermon. Um, good evening, everyone. Um, if we haven't met yet, my name is Allison, and I have been a part of Eucharist Oh, for the past nine years or so. Um, and yeah, I've appreciated this church community and all of its different iterations along the way. I think this last stage, this Zoom stage is definitely my least favorite, but um, uh, it's still good to be here. And if you've been joining in um, our services this summer, you know we've been going through this series on the fruit of the spirit. Um, which comes from the New Testament, um, from the book of Galatians in chapter five, um, and particularly focusing on verses 22 and 23. Um, and I will just read that. And I'm actually just gonna turn my fan off because I think it's noisy, hold on. Um, yeah, so it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And if you see the shirt I'm wearing tonight, it's pretty obvious which one we're gonna be talking about, um, kindness. Um, so we've already looked at love and gentleness, joy, peace, and last week, Nina, helped us explore a little bit about what goodness is. Um, and tonight we will add kindness to this description of the kind of character that the spirit of God is growing in all of us who are followers of Jesus. And I, although we're looking at these one at a time, I actually think they're not entirely separate things. Um, I kind of think of them as different parts really of one fruit because they overlap and they blend together. And I think it's actually when all of these traits are together in combination that we really reflect the spirit of God in our life. 
And before you might start to feel overwhelmed or perhaps inadequate as you think about that incredible list, um, I want us to pause and to remember what we've already learned. Um, that these are not things that we produce on our own, right? They're not things that we just try really hard to conjure up or follow a 10-step guide to achieve them. Um, these are characteristics that grow in us as we let the Spirit of God be the gardener of our souls. Um, and as with all gardening, there is a great deal of mystery involved. I mean, how do peaches become so incredibly delicious? Does anybody know? <laughs> how do tiny little watermelon seeds transform into these massive, luscious, thirst-quenching fruit? I have no idea. It is mysterious and it actually blows my mind every time I think about it. Um, but it, it's God's doing. And so it is with the fruit of the spirit. It is God's doing. And he is the one cultivating and growing these beautiful characteristics in us. But we're not passive in the process. Um, we have the opportunity to invite the spirit to do her work in us and we have the opportunity to cooperate or resist the process. A few years into our marriage, um, Dave, who's on this call, <laughs> Dave and I uh, decided that it would be helpful if we saw a counselor. Um, we had experienced some hard things um, and we knew we needed some help processing it. Um, and it was actually one of the best things we ever did. Um, it was super hard. I mean, I left in tears most weeks, um, but her counselor was brilliant. Um, and somehow he helped us uncover these key things that were unhealthy in our relationship and, and the particular things that each of us individually needed to address. And for me, one of those things was to learn the difference between being nice and being kind. See, I was really good at being nice. Um, I had mastered the art of smiling and being polite and, and treating people well. And I thought that was a really good thing. So I was pretty rattled when our counselor told me that it was actually a problem. And then he literally told me that my homework was to go home and learn to be more of a bitch. <laughs> Those were his exact words. Um, and I was thrown for a loop. And I think Dave wasn't so sure it was a good idea either. <laughs> um, but he was onto something um, because being nice meant I would avoid confrontation and conflict. It meant my priority was to keep everything smooth and upbeat. It meant I was far more concerned with external appearances and trying to make sure others liked me than I was about pursuing what was actually best for the other person. Kindness is something quite different from that. Kindness has nothing to do with being liked. Kindness takes more courage, more strength, 
It comes from deep within our core where the Holy Spirit is at work. Being kind means we see someone else for who they are and we treat them kindly whether we like who they are or not. Kindness calls us to be authentic and caring at the same time. Being kind asks us to step outside of our comfort zone. Kind people go beyond what's expected of them and they do it without any expectation of getting something in return. Can you see the difference? Start to see the difference between being nice and being kind. Being nice, it might be a very common Canadian characteristic, but it's not a fruit of the spirit. Kindness is. So practically, what might kindness look like? Well, I, I live right across the street from Justine Lauder. Some of you might know her. Um, she's a part of our church. Actually, I'm looking at her house right now. Um, and I notice, um, well, I get to see her in action a lot. And I notice that every time she cuts her own lawn, she also cuts the lawn of several neighbors on our block. Some of them don't have lawnmowers of their own. And I, I know she's really tired from her long days of outdoor work, but she just does it with no fanfare or expectation of repayment. It's an act of kindness. It might look like Justin and Joanna Aitchison creating a little food pantry on their front lawn um, because they wanna provide food for their neighbors who are struggling in a dignified way. Maybe it's taking time to anonymously drop off flowers from your garden on someone's porch because you want them to know that someone's thinking about them and someone cares. It might mean you call out racism in a conversation. It's awkward, it's not nice, but it is kind. It might look like telling a struggling employee that you're not satisfied with their work but you want to try to help them improve. Again, it's not very nice, but it is kind. It could look actually even more radical. It could look like what David did for Mephibosheth. There's a story in the Old Testament. You can read it in 2 Samuel chapter nine. Um, and it gives this beautiful and compelling example of kindness. Um, it involves someone you've probably heard about, King David. Um, this is, you know, David from David and Goliath, David who wrote most of the Psalms in our Bible. Um, and then this person you may not have heard about before, Mephibosheth, whose name is really hard to say. And I have to say it a lot of times, so <laughs> I may mess it up a bit. But, but Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, David's oldest and dearest friend. Um, and he was the grandson of the king at that time, King Saul. And when Mephibosheth was just five years old, news came to the palace that King Saul, his grandfather, and Jonathan, his dad, had been killed in battle. And there was immediate panic. They knew that everyone in the palace and anyone connected with Saul and Jonathan would also be killed. So all of the servants ran for their lives. And five-year-old Mephibosheth's nanny grabbed him and ran too. But on her, her flight, she tripped and fell, resulting in both of Mephibosheth's ankles being broken and never healing properly. 
and he was never able to walk again. He grew up in obscurity and in hiding and, and in fear that the new king, King David, would learn of his existence and come to kill him. It was the custom and it was expected that the new king would completely wipe out any family of the previous regime. And so eventually, some years later, when Mephibosheth was an adult, it happened. Some people found him and told him that King David was summoning him to come and see him in Jerusalem. He was sure that he was being brought there to face certain doom, certain that as the only living descendant of Saul, he would be put to death. But when he got there, David called him by name, Mephibosheth. And then he told him, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. What Mephibosheth didn't know was that many years ago, David had made a covenant with his father, Jonathan, finding themselves in loyal love and pledging to show kindness to Jonathan's family. And David remembered that promise and wanted to honor it. And so he had asked his informants, is there anyone left from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? And they told him about Mephibosheth. And so David's response was to invite Mephibosheth to come and live with him, to eat at his table, to be enfolded into his family. He gave him land and he tells his servants to farm it for him. It's the complete opposite of what Mephibosheth expected would happen. David shows extravagant kindness. And I think what is so captivating about this story is that the kindness is so unexpected. Mephibosheth was the enemy. Common sense and custom dictated that David should have had him killed. But instead he says, how can I show him kindness? You know, I can't help but think about our world today, you know, a, a world that is so deeply polarized and divided, a world where we treat people who see things differently than us as our enemies. We might not want to physically kill them, but we certainly don't want to show them kindness. Perhaps there's something here for us. Perhaps we need to ask God, is there someone you want me to show extravagant kindness to? Is there someone whom our culture and perhaps our peers expect us to hate or despise to whom we could show kindness? As I was preparing for this message and pondering it this week, this question, um, God has shown me someone that I think he's nudging me to show particular kindness to. And I will leave that question for you to ponder and, and something maybe we'll talk a bit more about for those that stay for our discussion. Um, I wanna switch gears a little bit, um, you know, and talk about one of the ways that I have seen kindness lived out very clearly in our community is through this initiative called Open Homes. Um, Open Homes gives us a really unique opportunity to show kindness to complete strangers who arrive in Hamilton as refugee claimants. And refugees, 
they're have experienced significant hostility and rejection all along their journeys in search of a safe place to live. If you watch the news or at all, you know that most countries are working really hard to keep them out and are going to extreme measures to send the message, you are not welcome here. Um, Open Homes is saying just the opposite. We're trying to say, we are glad you're here, you're welcome here, and in fact, we want to invite you into our home to live with us. We want to get to know you and to support you as you look for a safe place to live. And for those of you who might not be super familiar with how our refugee system works here in Canada, refugee claimant is the term that we use for, for people who have to leave their home country because it's no longer safe for them to stay there and they find their way to Canada and um, then ask for protection um, here at a border or at the airport um, and go through a long process um, to see if they are uh, given permission to stay. Other countries sometimes use this term asylum seeker. You may have heard that, it's the same thing. But there are people who have been persecuted because of their race or their religion their ethnicity um, or their political views. And they can come from anywhere in the world, um, mostly places where there's lots of conflict and uh, human rights abuses. Lately, it's been places like Nigeria, Liberia, Colombia, Ethiopia, Yemen, um, many more. And uh, the, the process is complicated and long. It can take several years. Um, and there's no official government programs to support refugee claimants. So about three years ago, actually it'll be three years in September, um, a few of us here in Hamilton recognized that there was this need for more supports for refugee claimants. Because um, most people arrive here knowing nobody um, and not understanding these systems. Um, and that initial housing was one of the biggest needs. Um, so Open Homes Hamilton was born. And uh, in a nutshell, um, it's the model is just that people with a spare bedroom in their homes um, invite a newly arrived refugee claimant to live with them for a few months. Um, and then other volunteers um, come alongside and form what we call a kinship circle, offering friendship and practical support. Um, and Eucharist has played a key role in establishing open homes. You know, we have so many people in our church community that volunteer, um, whether it's being a host, a home host, or part of a kinship circle. Some volunteer specifically to help people find their long-term housing, um, as well as as a church, we support open homes financially. Um, as Nina said, we're one of four official church partners. Um, and yeah, I've just been personally really encouraged and really um, yeah, just blessed, I guess, by how Eucharist has embraced this as part of our mission in Hamilton. Um, and really, we couldn't exist as we are today without Eucharist support and participation. So I want to say thank you for that. And I want to introduce Steph Hearn to you. Steph um, is uh, one of the Open Homes volunteers. She's actually what we call our church point person, which is a terrible name and we need something probably better than that. But basically, I mean, she's the communication link between Open Homes and Eucharist Church. And so you will see her at different times making announcements or sharing prayer requests and such. But tonight, um, I've asked if she could just share, I don't know, some 
reflections on how she has seen kindness lived out in the context of open homes. So, Steph. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for that introduction, Allison. Yeah, I really liked the way that you um, both talked about kindness and open homes specifically. So, um, as Allison was saying, I'm the Eucharist Church point person. This is kind of a new thing now that our partnership is formalized. Um, so, yes, you will be hearing from me. So far, it's been lots in the Facebook group, but I obviously can't wait till you're hearing from me in person. Um, and so what I do is I talk to Open Homes about what's happening at Eucharist, and then um, I talk to Eucharist about what Open Homes might mean. So as Allison mentioned, um, a lot of time we're looking for um, housing, right? So whether that's uh, hosts or when they've kind of graduated from living with the host to um, living in their own place in Hamilton, it's, it's a tough thing to find. Uh, at the best of times and it's it's gotten tougher through the pandemic right uh, and furniture needs are up there and then of course always prayer requests lots uh, to pray for in the world of refugee claimants um, I started off as a companion so that's that's what it's called you're walking uh, alongside someone and as Allison described offering practical support um, and also kind of helping them to lay down roots uh, in a social way, right? So it's not all just technical stuff. You're, uh, yeah, also engaged in things like barbecues or just coffee, uh, whatever. And, you know, through the pandemic, it's been lots of um, phone calls, that kind of thing, right? As it has been for all of us. Um, but yes, on the theme of kindness, I just wanted to talk about um, kind of two examples. Alison gave a, a great list of what kindness can look like practically. Uh, and as she was describing, I too have seen it lived out in open homes. So I just wanted to talk about, yeah, kind of two, two examples where I've seen it lived out. Um, and I, I have changed some details just to protect people's privacy. So the first one I wanted to talk about was um, a gentleman named uh, JD who uh, first came to Hamilton with his wife and two kids. Um, and uh, part of coming to call Hamilton home involved getting a job. Uh, he was able to get a job a little bit outside of Hamilton. So we also had to get a driver's license. He had to uh, get comfortable with driving in the winter on the 403. So a very new thing for him. Um, they had to find childcare for their kids. They had to um, get more and more comfortable in English. And so just to give you a bit of a, a timeline too, their first Christmas would have been Christmas 2019. So this Christmas will be kind of their second Christmas here. Um, so JD remains a part of the open home family, but rather than being in the role of a guest, he's now uh, made it a priority for uh, himself to be a companion to another uh, newcomer family. So um, some other guests of open homes. So uh, I think that's a great example of kindness because it's that idea that, um, yeah, when you're shown a kindness, uh, I think it really spurs a person on to go and kind of pay that forward, that whole uh, kind of ripple effect of kindness. And then the other one I wanted to talk about was actually um, the, the guest that I walked alongside as a companion. So um, I'm going to call the mom Maria. And so 
uh, Maria, when she was in her country of origin, was working in a, kind of an office job logistics. And when she came to Hamilton, uh, she did retraining to become a PSW. So uh, quite a big change for her. Um, and when talking about that experience of now working as a PSW um, and during the pandemic, of course, uh, yeah, she talks about it being hard work. Um, but the thing that she comes back to and that she really emphasizes is that the way she sees it is um, it has been a gift from God that she was given the opportunity to show her clients kindness. So I thought that was kind of a, a cool way she framed that. Not, not only is it a gift to the receiver of kindness, the person receiving the kindness, but the person giving it, it can be a gift uh, for them as well. So those were just the two stories I wanted to share with you. Um, and yeah, hopefully you got something from that. And, uh, and I'll, I'll join you guys in the chat afterwards to talk more about open homes if you want to. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steph. Um, yeah, I mean, I think kindness runs through, it's kind of one of those, you know, we talk about mutuality, you know, of, of showing respect, you know, um, between those that are hosts and those that are coming in guests. And I think kindness kind of is one of those things too that goes both ways. Um, and uh, yeah, I think when we do, we do um, kind of get, like a debrief with guests when they move on and and one of the things that we always hear is just they are kind of overwhelmed and um amazed i guess at the kind of kindness that they've experienced um and like i said a lot of it is because that is it's so different than the way they've been treated um all along their journey so um yeah and I guess, yeah, just in conclusion for this whole thing, I just I just want to challenge, I guess, put out the same challenge to you as the counselor put out to me to, you know, to not settle for being nice, but instead invite God to grow more and more kindness um, inside of you. So.